From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Climate change has been called the defining issue of our time, and it has galvanized young people around the world who want political leaders to take urgent action to reduce global dependence on fossil fuels that produce greenhouse gases. On the last Friday of September, young people around the globe rallied in the streets following the call of Swedish activist Greta Thunberg. It was the first big in-person climate rally since the pandemic began. People are ready for change. We want change. We demand change. And we are the change. And in Oregon, students walked out of class and marched to the convention center across the steel bridge to Portland City Hall to get the attention of local transportation leaders and lawmakers. Grant High School sophomore Ada Crandall helped organize the youth climate strike. So if you're an adult at home watching this, if you see all of these youth in the streets, I don't want you to just tell us that you're inspired. I want you to take action and I want you to join us. At 15 years old, Ada has been called Oregon's Greta Thunberg. She and many others, including 23-year-old Cassie Wilson, are part of the Sunrise Movement PDX, empowering youth to have a voice and take leadership in the climate movement. And I am pleased to welcome my guests, Ada Crandall and Cassie Wilson. Welcome to Stray Talk. It's great to have you both here. Thank you yeah, for having thank us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the pandemic caused youth around the world to push pause for a while on in-person rallies. What was it like for you both to be back out on the streets on that last Friday in September and taking your call for action to City Hall, Ada? Yeah, it was so incredible being back out in the streets with all of those people again. Climate organizing definitely wasn't on pause during the pandemic. There was still a lot of work happening, um, even if it was less public facing. I really feel like our movement is going to come out of this pandemic stronger because we've had so much time to sort of strategize and educate ourselves and go to trainings. Um, but yeah, organizing online for the last year and a half, I think in a lot of ways has felt really isolating. And so this strike was a great reminder that none of us are in this fight alone um, and that there are thousands of people who are going to keep showing up for climate justice. And Cassie, what was it like for you? I understand this was your first time being a part of a march like this. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, with it being my first time being part of a march like this and being part of an event this big, um, like Ada was saying, I got involved with this uh, while things were still completely virtual. And so it was amazing to be alongside thousands of other young people demanding a livable present and future. Well, tell us a little bit more about what the Sunrise Youth PDX movement is all about, Ada. Yeah, so Sunrise at a national level is a movement of young people fighting to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. There are hundreds of different Sunrise hubs all across the country. Um, the Portland hub specifically is focused on fighting for climate justice on a more local level. Um, and so we have a few different campaigns that we're working on right now. We're mainly focused at the moment on the intersection of transportation and climate justice and finding ways to decarbonize our transportation systems. Cassie, how important is it to you to be a part of this movement? It's really important to me. Sunrise has really taught me how to balance my 
fears for what the future might look like if we don't take action with imagining the better world that's possible if we do take the bold climate action that we need. Let's find out a little bit about both of you and what inspired you to get involved in the Sunrise Movement PDX. Ada, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you're 15, you're a sophomore at Grant High School. What was it that motivated you to become active in the fight against climate change? Yeah, so in seventh and eighth grade, I attended Harriet Tubman Middle School, which is right next to the I-5 freeway. My classmates and I were constantly breathing pollution from I-5, and it was just a really scary situation to be in. Um, and so we got involved fighting against the Oregon Department's, uh, the Oregon Department of Transportation's proposed expansion of that freeway. Um, and that work really led me to realize the connection between transportation and freeways and climate justice. 40% um, of our state's carbon emissions come from transportation. And so knowing that and realizing that connection to climate change, um, I really wanted to continue that work after I left my middle school. And so when COVID started and I, I just had a lot of free time and I, I really wanted to stay involved in this fight. And so I got involved in Sunrise. And you really become a leader in your group, haven't you? I think um, somewhat, yes. Um, I am called a leader a lot, but I really couldn't be the leader that I am without all of the amazing people that I've worked with and who I've sort of been mentored by. And I'm, I'm really grateful for everyone that I've worked with in all of these different organizations. Well, Cassie is also a member of the Sunrise Movement PDX. You're also on Clackamas County's Youth Advisory Task Force on Climate. Tell us a little bit about your story. What, what got you involved, Cassie? Yeah, so living in Clackamas County, um, Last year during the Labor Day fires was the first time that the entirety of the county was under some level of evacuation order. And it was really terrifying. Um, I always cared about climate change, but the fires last year really woke me up to the reality that the impacts of climate change are already here. And once I saw that, I couldn't unsee that. And we've continued to see it over the past year. Um, whether it's the ice storm or the heat waves or the drought and this year's fires. And um, I just felt really compelled to do something. And so I joined Sunrise, started learning more and taking action. And then I also joined, yeah, my county's task force on climate to be involved with shaping my county's climate action plan. Well, Ada, help us understand how what's happening with our climate is affecting you personally. How does it make you feel? It's really scary. It's yeah, it's really scary to be a kid growing up in a world that is literally on fire um, and we're facing this this climate crisis that's happening right now. And like a lot of the time, I think when we think about climate change, we think of it as something that's going to happen in the future. But we're not just fighting for our futures. We're also fighting for our present. And over the summer, we experienced record breaking heat waves and wildfires and just being in being at such a young age and knowing that things are only going to get worse and that my future looks like wildfires and heat waves and climate disasters is really scary, especially when a lot of the time the burden of fixing these issues is put upon young kids like myself. Do you feel the same way, Cassie? Do you feel that same anxiety? And what are you hearing from other young people? Yeah, I definitely feel it as well. I mean, I think it's that fear that motivates me to do this work every day. 
And unfortunately, I think that climate anxiety is just kind of becoming a normal thing for our generation um, and future generations. Um, I know even my younger cousin was like scared of the summer because of last year's fires. And as young people, it just makes it really hard for us to plan for the future when the future is really uncertain as it relates to climate. And you're calling on the Clackamas County Commissioners to take more urgent action. What do you want them to do? Yeah, so I mean, I'm really glad that my county has um, a climate action plan in progress, and I'm really glad to be part of shaping that. But personally, I'd love to see my county commissioners move up the timeline for carbon neutrality. Right now, the goal is to reach carbon neutrality by 2050, but we know that the impacts of climate change are already here and that we need to rapidly reduce emissions. So the sooner we can reach that goal, the better. And you're also pushing Clackamas County for alternative modes of transportation. Tell us why and what you want to see. Yeah, we really need rural public trans transportation and bike lanes and sidewalks. It's needed both for the sake of the climate, but also because not everyone can drive or wants to drive, but everybody needs to be able to navigate our community. Um, it's also really important to me because it's really expensive to drive. I'm disabled and I rely on SSI for my income and the cost of getting a lift put into our van so I can independently get my wheelchair in and out of the car costs more than I receive in a year on SSI. And on top of that, there's gas, insurance, and maintenance. Um, I just think a lot of my everyday problems and stress would be solved by being able to just hop on a bus to get where I need to go. Ada, you were a big supporter of Governor Brown in the last election. You were even on stage behind her during her victory speech in 2018. What were you hoping she would do as governor when it comes to climate change? Yeah, I was really excited to have someone like Governor Brown in office, especially because she really ran her campaign off of this idea that she was going to fight to stop climate change and she was going to fight for the youth. Um, and I really just haven't seen her follow through with any of those promises. And so it's been really disappointing. We have video of you protesting in front of the governor's mansion in July. Let's listen to part of your speech. We need a climate leader in office. Three years ago, I thought Kate Brown was that person, but now I'm not so sure. Governor Brown, we need you to be brave. Be the climate leader that you said you'd be. Prove us wrong. Thank you. Yeah, we asked the governor's office for a response to what you were saying, and we got this statement from her office, and it reads in part, Governor Brown has made climate action a top priority in Oregon. She appreciates the passion of Oregon's young climate leaders, and she shares their sense of urgency to take climate action. She was particularly pleased to recently sign into law a comprehensive clean energy bill package, including House Bill 2021, which sets the most aggressive timeline in the country for moving to 100% clean electricity sources by 2040. Ada, how do you feel about her response? What could she do that you would applaud and make you and Cassie make you feel more optimistic about the future? Yeah, Governor Brown can say that she's a climate leader, but if she actually wants to show that, she needs to meet our demands and fight to stop freeway expansions and fight for climate justice. And yes, it's great that she signed that clean energy legislation. That was something that Sunrise was really excited about, but that's not enough. 
Um, and it's just interesting because, you know, she made this big sort of this big show of signing that legislation and posting on her social media and saying like, hey, look, I'm doing this great thing for climate. You didn't see her posting when she signed a bill that would give ODOT the funding to continue expanding freeways when her vetoing that bill was a demand that we had rallying outside of her mansion. And so I just I think that it's really important that she actually follows through on her promises, because I don't just want her words saying that she's going to be a climate leader. I want her action. Cassie, what about you? What would you like to see the governor do? I mean, I completely agree with what Ada said. I think that you can say that you share our sense of urgency, but we need to see climate action across all sectors. Um, electricity was a huge step forward, but at the same time, you know, like Ada said, when we're not also taking that same bold action in other areas like transportation, it's not good enough. And you talked about demands, Ada. We're going to talk more about your demands uh, specifically in the next segment. Ada and Cassie, I know you've been opposed to the freeway expansion as part of ODOT's I-5 Rose Quarter project. We'll talk about that after the break. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking about climate change with two youth activists who are part of the Sunrise Movement PDX. Let's listen to what Ada Crandall had to say outside the Oregon governor's mansion this past July. Governor Brown, you should be ashamed. Yep. Yeah. If you continue to allow freeway expansion and climate destruction, I hope you think about that decision when the wildfires leave us locked inside for weeks, wondering if our communities will survive. I hope you think about that decision when the air is too polluted to breathe. I hope you think about that decision when your children ask why you didn't do anything about the climate crisis when you still had the chance. Why you didn't listen to the young people who are scared for our futures. Welcome once again to my guests, Ada Crandall and Cassie Wilson, members of the Sunrise Movement PDX. Ada, in that clip from your speech, you were pretty upset the governor is not using her influence to stop freeway expansion in the state. Help us understand exactly what do you want her to do? Yeah, so the, the rally that Sunrise did outside the governor's mansion last July, um, was part of one of Sunrise Nationals day, Days of Action. Um, hubs all around the country mobilized to pressure our elected officials to take action on climate. And so that specific rally that Sunrise PDX did um, was centered around pressuring Governor Brown to meet the demands of our Youth versus ODOT campaign, um, which is a series of biweekly strikes outside the Oregon Department of Transportation headquarters, um, which is includes a series of demands um, relating to transportation justice and climate justice that are for ODOT and also for Governor Brown. Um, and so asking her to stop prioritizing freeway expansion um, and really take urgent climate action and pressure ODOT to do those things as well. And what about the, the Rose Quarter project? That's something that you've been op opposed to as it stands now. Tell us about that. Yeah, so one of the demands of the Youth versus ODOT campaign um, is a full environmental impact statement on the Rose Quarter Freeway expansion, which is right in the backyard of Harriet Tubman Middle School. Um, ODOT did an environmental assessment, uh, which sounds very similar, but it's actually a much shorter, cheaper version of an environmental impact statement, and it doesn't really give the full picture of what the impact of the project would be. Um, 
And so we really want um, Governor Brown to demand that ODOT conduct um, that, that uh, environmental study. So let's take a look at, at what the I-5 Rose Quarter project is all about. The I-5 Rose Quarter Improvement Project is located between I-84 and I-405, where three interstates meet. Now, ODOT says it's the only two-lane section of I-5 in an urban area between Canada and Mexico, and it's the top traffic bottleneck in Oregon and 28th worst bottleneck in the nation. The project would add auxiliary lanes and shoulders along I-5, ODOT says, to reduce weaving and merging to improve safety. It would include highway covers over I-5 to reconnect the historically black neighborhood of Albina that was destroyed by the construction of I-5. Cassie, uh, Ada mentioned this, that you and your group have a list of demands. Can you tell us more about some of your demands? Yeah, so the first demand was, as Ada said, a full environmental impact statement on the Rose Quarter Freeway expansion. The next one is an immediate moratorium on all freeway expansions within the urban growth boundary because there are more than just that one. There's also the I-205 Abernathy Bridge expansion, the Interstate Bridge Replacement Project, um, making sure that that doesn't turn into a freeway expansion, the 217 widening, and the I-5 Boone Bridge freeway expansion. And then our third demand is for a youth climate justice advocate to be appointed to the Oregon Transportation Commission. And then we had a fourth demand that Ada was talking about uh, earlier, which was when we were outside of uh, Governor, Brand's, Governor Brown's mansion demanding uh, that she veto House Bill 3055 because it allows ODOT to bond against expected tolls to pay for freeway expansions. Um, it ended up passing the legislature and getting signed by the governor despite our protests. Um, and so now ODOT's able to use tolling to pay for projects like the I-205 expansion, which won't solve congestion and will just be another lane full of traffic in a couple of years. Well, we asked ODOT to respond to your demands and in response, ODOT sent us a statement that reads in part, ODOT agrees there is urgency to take action on climate. That's why we're committed to decarbonizing our transportation system through implementing system-wide congestion pricing, investing in transit and more multimodal options, and leading our state's transition to electric vehicles. Cassie, what's your reaction to ODOT's statement? I just really wish that their actions matched their statements. If they truly believe there's urgency to take action on climate, then they wouldn't be spending billions of dollars on freeway expansions. They would be like spending a bunch of money to decarbonize our transportation system instead. Well, the governor also says she's concerned about safety in that Rose Quarter corridor. I think ODOT says that the average number of accidents is three and a half times the average in the state in that area. And her office added in its statement that her goals for the I-5 Rose Quarter project are to revitalize, repair, and restore the Albina community while creating a national model for restorative justice, sustainable transportation, and good job creation. It's part of what's called the Hybrid 3 uh, model for the Rose Quarter Project. Um, Ada, restoring the Albina community includes adding freeway covers to reconnect the neighborhood and move toward restorative justice, as the governor mentioned. How do you and the Sunrise Movement feel about that? Yeah, Sunrise is fully in support of capping the freeway, um, but the freeway can be capped without expanding it. And I just don't see a way that 
ODOT and Governor Brown can argue that expanding the freeway that displaced people in that neighborhood in the first place, claiming that that is restorative justice doesn't really make any sense. Um, and so, yes, we support the caps. We support the caps without the freeway expansion. The governor has said also, we know we've talked about Harriet Tubman, where you went to school and your concerns there, that she supports moving Harriet Tubman Middle School, which is located now on the fringes of the highway, to protect the students from exposure to pollution from I-5. Ada, what do you think about that? Is that a good idea to, to move Harriet Tubman? I think it's a band-aid solution and it's really frustrating because yes you can move the school but there are still people who live in that neighborhood who are going to be breathing that pollution um, and it's still putting people at risk plus Harriet Tubman Middle School just moved a couple of years ago and I was a student there during that and it was really awful for everyone involved and so it's just really frustrating that ODOT and Governor Brown are putting Portland Public Schools in a in a position where they're being asked to choose between having their students stay at Tubman where it currently is and continue breathing that pollution or move the school again for the second time in the last few years. Um, and so it's either way, it's students suffering the consequences of a mindset from our government that expanding freeways and increasing profit is more important than student safety and people's safety. Um, and, you know, I mean, in an ideal world, we could just take we could just remove the freeway instead of moving the school i i just think that it's so it's so broken that we live in a system where students are suffering to accommodate for corporations need to increase profit by by having more lanes on this freeway um and it's really disappointing and i i wish that governor brown would see that and I wanted to ask you too, Ada, the city of Portland has set a goal of cutting carbon emissions in half by 2030. We talked with Cassie about Clackamas County and they want to reach net zero emissions by 2050. City officials say they're already behind schedule on that. How do you feel about the city's goals and its progress? I think that the city really needs to wake up and act with the urgency that we need. It's especially frustrating for Portland as a city that I feel really is positioned to be a leader on taking climate action. And the fact that we're behind on that is is so disappointing um, because we really could be setting an example for other cities on how to fight for climate justice. And our leaders are choosing not to do that. And you were sharing with me earlier that Portland likes to think of itself as a green city, a liberal city, but you question that. Yeah, I mean, I sort of I grew up hearing that Portland was so green and sustainable. Um, and I was always taught about like the little things that we could do to reduce our carbon footprint. And it was like recycle and compost and bike places. And that's just really not enough. Um, it's not it's not enough at all. And it's not what's going to stop climate change. And I feel like in a way I've I've really been lied to about the fact that Portland is sustainable because a, a city that prioritized climate action wouldn't wouldn't be expanding freeways. Cassie, people may be listening, young people, they might want to get involved. How can people get involved? Yeah, so the next Youth First ODOT strike is coming up this Wednesday, uh, October 13th from 4.30 to 6 p.m. Folks can come join us outside of ODOT's Region 1 headquarters in downtown Portland. It'll be our 13th strike. And they can check out your Instagram page as well uh, if they want to find out more and, and learn how to get involved. I want to give you each an opportunity for a final thought. Uh, Ada, what would you like people to know? I think I just want people to know that as a 15-year-old 
fighting for a livable future and fighting for climate justice is is something that I'm really passionate about and it's something that I really care about, but it's not really how I want to be spending my time. And I I really do feel a sense of loss that I am so young and I have to be thinking about these things. And so I don't want I don't want people to just call me inspiring. I want people to join us and take action. Um, and that's what will really make me hopeful. How about you, Cassie? I mean, I would just say we really need rural public transit and we need transportation justice. I'm really tired of hearing people in positions of power tell us they share our sense of urgency, but then they don't back up those statements with the bold climate action we need. Well, I want to thank you, Ada Crandall and Cassie Wilson, for joining us here on Stray Talk. It's wonderful to hear your voices. And thank you for watching and listening. You can get Stray Talk as a podcast. Search for KGW Stray Talk and get it wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next week when we talk about how Portlanders may soon have a chance to vote on whether to change the city's form of government and how city council members are elected. That's next week on Stray Talk. Have a great week.